The Good Die Young. A tribute to Platoon Commander Lieutenant Trevor Lyons. After two years of a global pandemic and the possibility that near normal, or at least a new near normal, may be around the corner, we woke up today to discover that Russia has invaded the Ukraine and that we are tottering on the brink of World War III. It is often surmised that a quick death is enviable compared to the long and painful process of recovery. Shattered limbs, shattered lives, shattered homes all take a long time to erase memory of the suffering. Yet an old North Indian saying suggests that while there is one person on earth that remembers a person already passed, their spirit will continue to shine. I remember an extraordinary man, and now that I am old, wish to share it so that his light may continue to shine. It was 1977, and I was working as general manager in the small YWCA office of Toowoomba, a country town in Queensland, Australia. The office was a converted homestead, now situated in the midst of a small park. Although the sun was shining, I was bored through lack of stimulating work when a young man strode in. He exuded masculine vitality with boyish good looks, a physique that was built for genes, and a personality that defied man, woman or child not wanting to know him. At that time, Trevor Lyons must have been about 32, married for seven years, two little girls, and, like us, paying off a whopping great mortgage. He was a printer by trade, but was making the visit because of his association with Apex, an Australian association dedicated to building a network of community services. Basically, he came with a proposition that Apex and YWCA combined together to support a new government youth project to be called SIS, Community Youth Support Scheme. As he outlined the initiative, it sounded so interesting that I was filled with enthusiasm. A few days later, we both duly sat before the small group of ladies that constituted the YWCA board, and after what to me was a stunning outline by Trevor, was met with deafening silence. No, they were not interested, and that was that. Long story, short account. Over the next few weeks, Trevor and I travelled to many regional branches of CIS to view how they were run. Yada, yada, yada. And a few months later, I left the Y and became project manager of the Toowoomba branch of the Community Youth Support Scheme. During that time, JC and I met up with the Lyons family and found them to quickly become a respected and thoroughly liked member of our social group. Trevor continued to be a fascinating man and a born raconteur. He brought to our lives his experience of growing up on a small property in Bundaberg and even more, his experience of the 1974 Brisbane floods. And here, his wife, Leslie, also became a star. 
Up to now, she had not featured of much interest to me, but the flood story changed all that. She was a few years younger than I, so therefore was a very young woman when, with two small girls, she found herself stranded in the small attic of the family home with water lapping around her feet. With the nearest neighbour a few kilometres away and water already undated halfway up the living area, the family were completely isolated. Trevor had managed to drag enough furniture upstairs to allow the girls to have makeshift beds, but there was little else, including a severe lack of food. With no telephone communication available, Trevor managed to put together a makeshift raft And here comes the extraordinary part of the story. A few cows had got stranded on higher ground within eye view. He made his way there through the debris, dead and decaying animals and struggling snakes, and on landing on dry ground, managed to milk a very distraught cow. This gave substance to them all for the immediate while. But with help still not on its way and his family hungry, now three days without food, the next day he was back to the hillock, this time with a sharp knife. He cut a small piece of flesh from the flank of a cow, taking as much care as possible to leave the hide crudely sewn back so that the cow could recover. The family had a very tough barbecue that night, but hunger was assuaged. They were rescued a few days later. Needless to say, I took Leslie out of the boring little wife basket soon after that story, and we went on to enjoy a wonderful warm friendship with this extraordinary couple. A few years later, Trevor came to us with the news that he had bought a bus and was doing it up as a mobile home, and was about to take the family around Australia for a two-year exploratory escapade. This he did. With little money to finance this adventure, the intention was for Trevor to pick up casual work en route and expedite this by sketching old homesteads and selling to the owners. With art highly competitive at this time, I gave it little chance. But was I ever wrong? When he came back, he showed us his portfolio, copies of the houses he had sketched and sold. They were absolutely magnificent but more was yet to come. With his girls now high school age, they settled up in the old ancestral area of Bundaberg, about three, four hours from Toowoomba, where they had a few acres on the outskirts of town. Leslie worked part-time and Trevor gathered the last of their savings and bought building materials. They continued living in the bus while Trevor set about building a house out of mud. I knew a little of this heritage process from my year with the National Trust. It's a long, arduous procedure. But he did it virtually single-handed. First digging the foundations, processing the clay soil into shapes, compressing and drying them, then building brick by brick. Finally, the outside walls are plastered with layer upon layer of stucco until waterproof. This went on for three years. A four-bedroom home emerged, and even more was yet to come. By now, Trevor had attended a university course part-time and learned the practice of making and glazing domestic tiles. He built a kiln, 
fired it with wood from the property and eventually was tiling the kitchen and bathrooms that could pass a master building code. Naturally, every minute was valuable at this time and we didn't see as much of the family as hoped. We kept in contact with snail mail and occasional telephone calls and looked forward to visiting sometime in the latter part of the year. With this in mind, I was delighted to hear from Leslie one Saturday afternoon, thinking this would be the invitation to a much-awaited housewarming. The call was far different, leaving me stunned. Trevor was dead. He had died a week before after a short and very aggressive bout of cancer. The funeral was a few days hence in Brisbane. We were given the details. A small crowd attended the funeral, and I was far too wrapped in my own grief to even consider how Leslie was faring. Yet once again this small diminutive lady seemed to be coping in her quiet manner while consoling her distraught daughters. The clergyman droned on, as they are wont to do, and the only thing I remember is his reference to Trevor's war service in Vietnam. We had known of this, of course, but as Trevor had never made much of it, we had never discussed it in any great detail. Once again, we were to find out depths to our friend that were completely unknown to us. At the age of 20, the Bundaberg farm boy was one of the 50,000 Australians serving between 1962 and 1975 in support of South Vietnam in a war that became politically and socially divisive all around the world. He was deeply affected by the constant killing of innocent women and children, the spraying of Agent Orange, the incessant bombing and the horrors that went with it. An exploding Claymore anti-personal mine ended his life as a soldier and left him with severe facial and eye injuries for which he had to undergo major reconstructive surgery. We had no hint of this all the time we had known him. Years later, he was to capture all this horror in a series of finite and detailed sketches which reflected his physical and mental injuries. The work is entitled Journeys in My Head and Once Seen Are Never Forgotten. Trevor himself is probably forgotten by all but immediate family, although as a soldier he represents one of thousands, if not millions of young men and women who take up arms for a good cause. This is about to happen again. Many will die, many will live to be disfigured, and all we can do is thank them and remember them and hope they all rest in peace. This has been a tribute to a very dear friend and all those he represents at a time of war. For a link to his memorable sketches, Journeys in My Head, please go to fastfictionpodcasts.com. This is Brianda Cross. Thank you for listening. <laughs>